Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The word of God which we receive this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 1 to 9, and also then verses 18 to 23. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who receives the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So far the word of our Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. This morning we have a parable about a farmer. A lot of you guys are farmers. So how many of you plant your seed by tossing it willy-nilly even into the midst of weeds and the path? You do. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for raising your hand. If I were to ask uh, you guys to come on up here and share some ways that this particular farmer could increase his crop yield and be more efficient with his seed, I'm sure there's a lot you could say not least of which would be, don't try planting your seed on the road. It doesn't work very well. But of course, the parable before us today, Jesus is not trying to teach us how to plant corn, but how to plant the word of God. And he's not trying to teach us uh, techniques for increasing the yield of soybeans, but rather the yield of faith and the fruit of God in our life. Despite this fact, many people still approach this parable with this attitude. With the attitude of how can we be more efficient farmers of God's word? How can we increase the good works of our congregation? What techniques can we use to be better sowers? Modern farming techniques are probably great for farmers, but that is not what God asks of us in this parable. Jesus is clear what our job is. Our job is to sow the seed. Regardless of what ground it may land on, our job is to share the word of God. 
Jesus told his disciples, and he tells us also in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Notice how well that description fits with the parable this morning. Go into all the world and preach to every creature. There is the man going out, Jesus sending his disciples out, spreading that seed, sowing the seed, not worrying about where it may land or what kind of land it may land on, but simply sharing God's word and trusting that God will give the increase. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 3, 7, so that neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Many passages of God's word, including our Old Testament reading this morning and the parable before us, teach us this very simple truth. The power is in God's word. The power is not in the sower and what techniques he may come up with to sow the seed. And the power is not in the ground which receives the seed. The power is in the seed. It gives life by the power of God. At the same time, the parable also teaches us that the problem, when there is a problem, is not with the seed. It's not the seed's fault if the plant does not grow. The problem, where there is a problem, is in the ground. The problem is not with the seed. The power is not in the ground. The power is in the seed, and the problem, when there is a problem, is in the ground. And so what we have before us today is a parable that teaches us both the promise of God's word and the power and the mighty things that that word can do for us in our own life, in our congregation, in our community, and also the warning. The warning against the attitudes that are in our hearts. Jesus isn't warning us against the attitudes that are in the hearts of others, but he's warning us against these attitudes that we find in our own hearts. One of those warnings is the rocky ground, in which Jesus warns us against false enthusiasm. And the type of joy in Christ that is only on the surface and the word that doesn't have deep roots in his word. God's word, God's gospel does give us joy. The, 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 the word of God is very clear on that. We, we have our Old Testament reading from Isaiah where we are told, For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. So it's clear that, that God's word does give us joy in Christ. Speaking, writing about this very verse from Isaiah 55, 12, Luther says, when joy is missing, we conclude that faith is lacking. While, the pre while in the presence of joy, we see the power of faith. It is not, however, the joy that characterizes the enthusiasts. Luther responds correctly, yes, God's word does give joy, and where there is faith, we can expect there to be joy, but not the joy of the enthusiast. What he's talking about there is that surface joy, that joy that we expect to see with our eyes, where people maybe are jumping up and clapping hands and dancing in the church. There's nothing wrong with dancing in church uh, if that's your culture. They do that a lot in Africa. It's kind of fun to watch and see. But that's not really the, the joy that, that Christ is promising us. That's not really the joy that Isaiah is talking about here, but the deeper joy, that peace, that rest in Christ that we heard about last Sunday. Not what's on the surface that can be seen, but what's deep in the hearts. 
A plant that grows large on top might be, it might be great to see the, the corn getting larger and taller this week as the rain comes down. But what's important when it comes to our life of faith is not how much we have on top, but how much roots we have deep underneath. Considering, consider the following verse from the prophet Job. I know that my Redeemer lives. How does that make you feel? Would you say that that, that verse gives you joy in your life? Again, it's probably not the type of joy that makes you want to jump up and uh, hold your hands up in a meadow and, and sing out. It's not that kind of joy. But it's that deep, abiding joy deep in the heart, even when there's trouble on the surface. Think about Job when he spoke those words. He was in great agony and pain and suffering. He probably didn't have a big grin on his face. Uh, he probably wasn't singing with joy in his voice like that. Yet there was joy in his heart under that surface trouble there, wasn't there? A joy that relied on Christ and looked forward to that life which is to come. That's what, that's what Isaiah is talking about. That's what Christ is talking about in our text. Those deep roots that don't necessarily look like joy. A lot of people might come to, to our church and say, eh, they're not a particularly joyful church, not like some of the other churches down the road. But again, that's a, the service joy. That's not what's important. What's important is those deep roots digging deep into God's word. Jesus also warns us in our text then also against the, the deceitfulness of riches. That the seed that lands in, among the weeds and begins to grow up but then is choked up by the cares and concerns of, of this world. One of my favorite, favorite authors once wrote that uh, greed for a good purpose is still greed. We could add to that a little bit. Greed for a little bit is still greed. Greed just for food is still greed. There is very little in this world that is as deceitful as the allure of gold and money. Study after study has shown, and it's well known, that more money, more wealth does not give you a better life. It doesn't make you healthier. It doesn't make your marriage better. It doesn't make you happier. And yet, despite all the studies, all the evidence, deep in our hearts, a lot of us still believe, if I just had a little bit more, if I just had this, or if I just had that, if I just had that vacation to Hawaii or that nicer house, I would be happy. I'd be content. I just need a little bit more. And then we think, well, I'm not greedy. I'm not asking for $50 million. I just want a little bit more. I just need a little bit more. The allure of riches, the deceitfulness of riches, rarely comes when Satan shows up with a bag of gold and says, worship me and I'll give you $50 million. Far more often it's just that attitude of, I'm discontent because I think I just need a little bit more. And that desire for a little bit more, as Jesus is showing us in, our, in the parable here, leads us slowly and surely away from his world. As we concentrate on just that little bit more that I think I must have, that I think I need, our eyes are focused on that, our goals are focused on that, and we're slowly led away from church, from devotion, from God's word. Godliness with contentment, we're told, is great gain. The only thing that's, when it comes to earthly things, when it comes to earthly blessings, the only thing that's going to make us happy, is going to give us joy, is that contentment and that trust that 
God will provide. I have what I need. So that we really ought to learn to pray, not give me this one more thing, Lord, and I'll be content, but rather give me contentment, Lord, and I will have all that I need. Money cannot give us increase. Money cannot make us happy. The thing that causes faith to grow in our hearts and gives us those deep roots is that word of God. It is God's power working through his word which grows in our hearts. Many years ago when I bickered in Colorado, I saw something I'd never seen before. I thought it was kind of strange. And I learned later that it was a phenomenon called virga. This is where the rain falls from the clouds, but the air is so dry that it actually evaporates before it reaches the ground. You can be standing there looking up, and you can see it raining above you, and yet you yourself are dry. No rain reaching the ground. When I saw this and when I, when I heard about it, I was a little concerned. I immediately thought of our Old Testament reading. As the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, it do not return there. Now, wait a minute. The rain is returning before it comes down. Is God's word wrong? Did I say I make a mistake? Well, before we call God a liar, maybe you should look into it a little bit more. If you read up on this phenomenon, you find out that even though <coughs> the rain does evaporate uh, before it reaches the ground, it's not without effect. All that evaporating water cause, often causes the temperature to plummet. And the plummeting temperature causes, often causes a downdraft. And that downdraft means that the water does eventually reach the ground. Rather than contradicting God's word, it actually underscores and underlines exactly what Isaiah is trying to teach us. That even though it might look to us, just like it looks like that rain is not reaching the ground, and at first at least it's not, even though it might look to us like God's word is having no effect and doing nothing, we're sharing it, we're preaching it, and we don't see any effect, we don't see it reaching home. Nevertheless, we have that promise from God that his word is not without power, that it will accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. God's word has the power and accomplishes his purpose. Our job is simply to sow the seed. In our own lives and in the lives of others as well. God's word will cause the increase. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.